Hi, I'm Kate Spina. This is Toward Light, Practical Buddhism for the Modern World. Each week, I explore ways to apply these timeless teachings to our daily life. Hello, and welcome to Episode 7 of Season 3 of the Toward Light Podcast. This episode, I'm going to be talking about the first path factor, the factor of wise view. So a quick review, there are four noble truths, the truth that there's difficulty in life, the truth that craving feeds that difficulty, the third truth that there is freedom from that cycle, and the fourth truth is this path, this noble eightfold path, which even though it's talked about in an order, all of the aspects interconnect in different ways. Wise view is really asking the question, what lens are we seeing the world through? What is our underlying understanding of the world? And how does having wise view help us in our lives, in our relationships, in our practice, in our search for freedom? Wise view is complex, so I'm going to focus on one half of it, which is called mundane wise view, which is the lens we see our day-to-day world through. And the understanding we see the world through is this understanding of kama, this understanding of cause and effect. Kama is Pali. Karma is Sanskrit. Same word. I will primarily use kama because I feel like the word karma has become overused or diluted in Western cultures, but they mean the same thing. Kama can be translated as cause and effect or simply as action. So why is it important for us to understand Kama in order to get free? Think about a toddler. They do not have a fully formed understanding of Kama. So even though dad tells them not to touch the hot stove, they do cause, and then they have the effect of burning their hand. Because they do not yet fully understand kama, they need direct experience to show them the result of their actions. But for us as teens, as adults, our brains are able to grasp this concept and we have a lot of data, a lot of life experience to back this up. As I'm giving examples, I want you to notice how understanding kama, understanding the cause and effect, is really this base root understanding for moving forward in every other aspect of the path. So a lot of my examples are going to sound like wise action. Remember, these factors are all interconnected. But what I want to point to is how knowing this truth of Kama, holding it in the forefront of our wisdom, helps us walk the path to freedom. We talk about Kama in sort of two different ways unwholesome and wholesome. So kama based on actions rooted in greed, aversion, and delusion is unwholesome. And kama based in generosity, kindness, and presence is wholesome. Just a note here, in the texts and translations, they mostly use non-greed, non-aversion, and non-delusion as the opposites of the poisons. But for practical purposes, I prefer to use generosity, kindness, and presence. Sometimes kama is a straight line from behavior to result. 
I touch a hot stove, it burns me. I yell at my partner, they yell back. I don't pay the electric bill, the power gets cut off. I bring food to the monastery, they chant for me. But more often, it's not so clear, it's not a direct line. Generally, the more unwholesome actions we take, the more unpleasant results we receive and vice versa. But those results are not always obvious to us and they may not look how we expect them to. So an example, kama coming from greed. You're out at night with friends, you're drinking, you're following greed and drinking more and more, and then you want to go home and you drive home. So sometimes there's a direct result from drinking and driving, an accident, a ticket, but sometimes there isn't immediate consequences. But the more often you do this unwholesome behavior, that there will be more negative consequences and those will compound. Like, for example, in Colorado, they have a three strikes thing where if you get three DUIs and you're cut off for your license for a year. So it compounds the negative behavior compounds and creates negative comma. An example for aversion, you're in a managerial position at work that maybe you don't want or don't enjoy, but choose to keep because because the salary and benefits are good. So you end up nitpicking and micromanaging your employees because you're unhappy or aversive. You're always finding fault with others. Eventually, your employees start quitting or ask to be transferred, but that doesn't always happen right away or en masse, and you might get a reputation for being a difficult boss, and it's harder to hire people for your team. But because of the power differential, sometimes the boss is not aware that they are the cause of this problem and blame it on the employees, thus continuing the cycle. So you see that there's negative comma, but it's not necessarily super easy to track. And where does it come from? It comes from not wanting this job. For an example, for delusion, you fall in love with the idea of somebody rather than who they actually are. And it can take months or years while you try and reconcile who they actually are with who you are expecting them to be. And as you try harder and harder to either ignore those differences or to try and change the other person, you get more and more unhappy because you're stuck in the delusion of this idea of who they are rather than who they actually are. So the negative comma is coming from both the delusion that this person is different than they are and also the delusion that you can change them or make it different. Okay, let's go to the flip side comma coming from generosity. So let's say you donate to Racy's Texas to help support migrants at the border. The border crisis is still happening. You don't know exactly what the money is doing, who is benefiting, but there's still wholesome comma generated from the, that action of giving, regardless if you know the direct result or not. Example for kindness, inspired by an advice column I read recently, you drive your neighbor's kid to swim practice regularly, but the other parents don't reciprocate. You continue to drive from a place of kindness. You're not getting the direct result of help or thanks from the other parent, but for your kid and the neighbor's kid, you are modeling kindness and service. So the wholesome comma is not just affecting you, but them as well. But that can switch, right? If you start to get resentful of the other parent and it 
starts to come from a, a place of aversion, the kids are going to feel that. That's going to be a negative comma, unwholesome. And then an example of presence. So you're wanting to share some trivial thoughts about your day, but when your partner comes home, you notice their posture is slumped, their words are clipped, they seem pretty unhappy. So rather than bombard them, you give them a space and allow them to unwind before connecting. Now, they may be grumpy all night, so you don't see the result right away. But cumulatively, over time, as you meet them with presence, the more wholesome comma is generated and the more wholesome the relationship can be. So for all of these examples, I hope that you're able to see that there are unwholesome consequences to unwholesome actions and wholesome consequences to wholesome actions, but it's not always obvious. There are two questions that people always ask about comma, so I'm going to try and preemptively answer them. And if you have more questions, please know you can always reach out to me. Sometimes people say, well, what if I did bad things in the past? Like for me, for example, when I was an active addict, I did a lot of really unwholesome behavior. And so am I going to live with that negative comma forever, that unwholesome comma forever? Bhikkhu Nalio says, the present repercussions of our particular deed from the past depend to a great extent on the overall current condition of the one who performed this deed previously. Okay, I know that's a mouthful. Pretty much what he's saying is, if you're emphasizing in your life, if you are focusing on freedom, on wholesome behaviors of actions coming from generosity, from kindness, from presence, rather than greed, aversion, and delusion, the consequences that you're going to have from past actions are going to be less. Your current state is what affects it. So, and obviously my current state right now That's then affecting the next moment and the next moment after that. So I want to always notice, am I acting from a place of kindness, from generosity, from presence, or am I acting from greed, aversion, or delusion? The other question that also gets asked is around multiple lifetimes and rebirth. I really try and talk about things that I know about and I do not know. If I've had past lives, I do not know if there is a cycle of rebirth in my direct experience. But there are many teachings around this. And the Buddhist cosmology is focused around this idea that the freedom is freedom from this cycle of rebirth. And so if we're generating wholesome karma, if there is rebirth, then the more wholesome our life is, the more wholesome the next life will be. So just to finish us out, the understanding, the view, the wise view that wholesome results come from actions based in generosity, kindness, and presence sets the stage for everything we do. So studying the teachings, understanding the problems that come with greed, aversion, and delusion, and ways to cultivate the opposite, this allows us to establish wise view so we can continue on the path to freedom. 
Thank you for listening. Please check out any links in the show notes. You can find me on my website, towardlight.net, or on Instagram at towardlight108.